Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and more burnt than ever. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Don't miss Chris Weber in a half hour on the Goodyear hotline. And when I say burnt, I mean it literally. Same thing seems to have happened to Hemba. Yeah. We both had the same thing happen to us yesterday. I did get up yesterday, and then I went to the golf course. And when I got to the golf course, it was cold. Barrett. It was overcast. Mm. I'm in a sweater. I'm, I'm anticipating this is going to be a sweater weather kind of day. And at no point, as I was in the locker room, did it occur to me to put on sunscreen. At no point. Ten minutes into the round, the sun comes out. Here comes the sun. I was singing George Harrison's classic, Here Comes the Sun. And all of a sudden, I was delighted because we hadn't seen the sun here in the New York area in three days. And we had the worst weather in the, over the three days you could ever imagine. But anyway, so I see the sun and I'm delighted. I play 18 holes in, in brilliant sunshine. And at no point does it occur to me because I'm an idiot that I'm going to get fried to a crisp, which indeed I did. And I can tell you, and it's one of those sunburns, because I was, you know, mostly clothed. Yeah. That just hits you in a kind of some weird places. And mine primarily is my left ear. My left <laughs> ear is burnt. It's like someone took a match and just held it to my left ear for an hour. My left ear is, it's hot. I can feel it's it. It's hot to the touch? I'm touching it. It's, it's warm to the touch. Back of the neck looks a little red, too, to me. Back of the neck. Mm. That, that's where you go. If, uh, golfers know what it is. You get it on the back of the neck. You get it on the ends of the arms, the forward parts of the arms, because I had the sweater hiked up. <laughs> I got the sleeves hiked up on the sweater. So the, the tan only goes up like, uh, I don't know, six, seven inches on the arm. So that's what I got going here. And I'm, I mean, it's, it's the kind of burn that hurts. I got mm. in the shower this morning, and let me tell you, I felt it. I was, I was shirtless most of the afternoon, too, and I felt the exact I know. Same you, thing. Are, you are ready. Yeah. Can we see just one button open? This will be just You're for the— you me to take my clothes off right well, now? Well, just for the, for the TV audience. Okay, for the, fine. Yes, fine, because fine, I fine. saw this. I mean, it is red. Ooh. Ooh, listen to the room. Oh, no. What is going on? It looks it much is worse. Brutal. It looks much uh, worse but you have to see it, oh, Bubba. Oh, my God. It, it, <laughs> do you see it, Bubba? You see what oh, I'm talking about? No, yeah, geez. we see it. Oh, my God. He is. That is not what I was expecting. Do we need another button? No, any precautions whatsoever? Not, clearly not. It was the same deal as Greeny. Like, the forecast was, was not favorable. Oh, but I mean, Greeny makes sense. He was wearing clothes. and what You were shirtless. I was shirtless. I was shirtless. And I mean, at no point did you think to yourself, I should put some sunscreen on. No. And Lizzie had the same problem. Lizzie got burnt, too. Like once a year, I'm reminded that my mother is from Toledo. I just don't have the good skin. <laughs> I, just, I just don't. Your father is from where? My father's from Lebanon, Beirut, Lebanon. My mother's from Toledo. And I got her skin, at, okay. least, at least yesterday. So you were extremely <laughs> pale, and now you're extremely red. That's where we stand as we speak. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance, making it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. All right, you know we love excited hockey goals. I heard this one last night on 98.7 ESPN Radio in New York. Our station in New York had the Islander game last night. Casey Sezika scored the game-winning goal in overtime. Chris King on the Islanders radio network had the call, and it was glorious. Feeds him, and a good save by Lamov as getting a piece of that was Carlson Kuhlman. Here, Sezika's on a breakaway. Casey skates in alone on Tukaraz. Shoots. He scores! Casey! Breakaway overtime game winning goal. The Islanders win it four to three. They even up the series at one game apiece. Steal home ice from the Bruins and are headed back to Long Island all even. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I so admire that. How does he do it? I don't know, Chris, personally. 
I could not get my voice there. I, I think I've made this remark before. Two things come to my mind. And again, I love it. I love the enthusiasm. I play these calls because I love them. I love the enthusiastic play-by-play call. If you're not going to be excited about a game-winning goal, you don't deserve to be a hockey announcer. So I mean this purely out of respect. But the two thoughts I have is, one, I could never get my voice there. And two, if I did for 30 seconds, I'd have no voice for the rest of the week. I don't know how he does it, and I don't know how he keeps talking after that. There's got to be a whole post-game show and everything. (laughs) I'd be done. Just done. I have all kinds of vocal cord problems anyway. Like I get the vocal strain and all that stuff. I use this spray. Hembo knows what I'm talking about because you see it all the time. So I am particularly bad when it comes to that. But I I can't imagine getting my voice there. It's incredible. No, you definitely could not. It's like a singer. You're, you're You're a baritone, right? Uh, I don't know what what I mean. Am I a bar- am I a bass? Are you a bass? Are you a baritone? Are you a tenor? Which are you? What what the hell are you doing? You're not, now you're demonstrating. Now I'm dem- yeah, because you didn't seem to know what I was talking th- about. No, I know what you're you- talking. Yeah, let's about. never do that again, please. <laughs> <laughs> if you had heard yourself, you'd know why I was yeah, asking. I, I, All right, I let me hear. Right. Just just I want you to say hello, Greeny, as a bass. Hello, Greeny. Say hello, Greeny, as a baritone. Hello, Greeny. Say hello, Greeny, as a tenor. Hello, Greeny. No, that's not a tenor. <laughs> what is that's that? a soprano. You've gone Hello, way Greeny. up. Like a tenor is still a male voice. You, uh, you, okay, stop, stop, stop. We're done. We're done. We're done. I'm moving on. Literally to anything. I can't take <laughs> it anymore. I got, I hit, I'm hitting a sounder. Greeny's takes. I'm doing some takes because that was horrendous. Here we go. First take of the day. LeBron James needs to save the Lakers. He needs to save them because the cavalry's not coming. Anthony Davis, it's a knee, then it's a groin. It's not happening. Anthony Davis is not going to be a factor in this round. If you think Anthony Davis is just missing tonight, you're out of your mind. Maybe he tries and limps his way through the rest of this series, but it's not going to happen. And the truth is the winner of this series gets the winner of Portland-Denver. It's not the matchup with the Clippers that everyone's anticipating or Utah. So if you're the Lakers, I think that you are resting Anthony Davis as long as you can because he's realistically not giving you anything anyway. And if he goes out there and plays, you pro- I think you lose him for the rest of the playoffs. I think this is going to be about LeBron winning two games. They got a best of three with a good Phoenix team that's young and hungry and has home court advantage. And LeBron has to win two games. And I believe he's going to have to do them both without AD. Everyone's talking about tonight. I think LeBron is going to have to win both these games without Anthony Davis being a, a, a significant factor. Can he do it? That's the question. The the honest answer is I don't know. If he has to win one game, I don't put it past him. I believe he wins one game. I believe if the Lakers lose this series, it'll be in seven. It won't be in six. But does he find a way to win it? It's it's a big order. And again, I'm not going anywhere near where Nuno went earlier. I enjoy his... Um, I enjoy his insanity, but for him to suggest that this would be devastating to LeBron's legacy, I don't see it that way. But either way, I think he is going to have to win two games by himself to get his team into the next round, and I'm not 100% sure he can do it. My next take is that the Super Bowl could very well be decided this week. Julio Jones is going to be traded this week. It's going to happen, I think, at latest Thursday. I think it's going to happen tomorrow. I would not be surprised. When we come in tomorrow to do Get Up, I will be on television tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock Eastern time, as I am every day. I would not be surprised if we are leading with breaking news. Julio Jones has been traded to the blank. And the blank is the important part in this. 
because that team, whoever it is, I think he's not getting traded to Jacksonville. Whoever it is he gets traded to, I think becomes a Super Bowl contender immediately. Rams, yes. Ravens, yes. Niners, yes. Patriots, maybe. Just maybe. And throw some other possibilities in there. Seattle, these are the teams that we're hearing kicked around a lot. And if you're wondering why you're hearing so many teams, it's because that's the only way the Falcons can get any leverage here. The Falcons don't have the leverage. Their general manager, Terry Fontenot, doesn't have the luxury of saying to a GM on the phone, well, listen, if you don't give me what I want, I'm very happy keeping this player on my team. Everyone knows that's not on the list of options. So his leverage is letting the person on the phone know, I've got this team and this team and this team and this team interested. So what Tannenbaum told me this morning, what you do when you're in that position is you Every one of them, however many it is, three, four, five GMs, however many people you're dealing with, you tell them all. Close of business today, I want your best offer. Best offer. Don't call me tomorrow and say, oh, I would have given you X. Tell me what you're willing to give me right now. And that's how you maximize what you get for them. And I believe they do that as soon as today or tomorrow. And so I think Julio Jones gets traded. And if he winds up on the Rams, I think they are a legit Super Bowl contender. If he winds up on the Niners, they're a legit Super Bowl contender. Ravens, legit Super Bowl contender. Seahawks, they certainly have the best receiving core in the sport. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Julio Jones. Are you kidding me? Who knows what that might be? And even the Patriots, I think, would be a fascinating possibility. So let's see what happens. The Super Bowl could be decided this week. And then one more. Jacob deGrom is the best pitcher I've ever seen. He's the best pitcher I've ever seen. And you were giving me a couple more notes. We touched on this at the beginning of the show, but about how much better he is the second time through the order, all these things that are just the opposite of what the sport has become. The league is batting less than 100 against him the third and fourth time they face him in the game. That's typically the time, obviously, that starting pitchers start to fatigue. He is... is He's a mutant. What he's doing right now is, is, is literally impossible. I just put up on my Twitter feed, through eight starts this season, he compares favorably to Bob Gibson's 1968 season in literally every single one of them. All he has to do is stay healthy. This is maybe the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But in this season, he has more multi-hit games, meaning games in which he has hit, has gotten at least more than one hit. That's poorly phrased. Games in which he's gotten at least two hits. He has more of those as a batter than he is allowed as a pitcher. <laughs> He's only allowed more than one hit in one game this season. It's impossible. What he's doing is impossible. He's the best I've ever seen. Chris Weber is on the way in this hour. Coming up next, though, I will tell you a story that will illuminate what is the biggest story of this sports day by far. Don't miss it. Next on ESPN Radio. I don't know what what I mean. Am I a bar- am I a base? You a base? Are you a baritone? Are you a tenor? Passion, drive, and patience—the formula for winning championships—is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Greeny, the podcast. All right, Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. And, and a reminder, Chris Weber coming up live in 15 minutes. And if you ever miss anything on the show, I want to remind you that not only do we stream on ESPN+, Plus, but we're a podcast every single day. You can find both hours of the show posted daily as a podcast. It's called Hashtag Greeny. It's available wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, two quick also notes on Hembo. One, he just posted on Twitter, and, and it's incredible as I look at it, Bob Gibson, 1968, considered to have been one of the greatest, if not the greatest seasons any pitcher ever had. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Through his first eight starts this season, Jacob deGrom's numbers are exponentially better than Gibson's were in 1968. Gibson's ERA was 136. deGrom is (laughs) 0.71. deGrom, excuse me, Gibson, 51 strikeouts. deGrom, 82. So you think to yourself, all right, there are more strikeouts now. But there's also more walks. Gibson had walked 18 batters. DeGrom, 7. Gibson had allowed 53 hits. DeGrom has allowed 22. I mean, his numbers, they're not even close. His numbers are much better through eight games than Bob Gibson's. He's the best I've ever seen. I've been watching the game my whole life, watching the sport literally my entire life. I've never seen anything like this guy. He's the best pitcher I've ever seen and might be on his way to the greatest season of all time. So that's one thing. Hembo just posted that on Twitter. The other thing is Hembo looks like a tomato. And I realized as we were describing how sunburned he is that the overwhelming majority of the people listening to this conversation couldn't see it. So I just took a picture of it and posted it on Instagram. So if you want to see a burnt man's chest, (laughs) I'm warning you ahead of time, there's some chest, there's a little chestal hair involved in this. But you can go to my Instagram, at ESPN Greeny, and see a picture of a very sunburned hemp. Are you suggesting that I should be shaving my chest hair? No, I'm suggesting that you should be applying sunscreen liberally the next time you go to the, to the lake house <laughs> to the or sun? wherever it is you go. Because you are as, as burnt, you are as noticeably, <laughs> as openly, as overtly burnt as any person I think I've ever seen in my life. Okay. Let me get to some other business here. I I want to say a little something about what is going on with Naomi Osaka. And this is a story that is important if you do not care about tennis. You do not have to care about tennis to be interested in what I'm about to tell you. When I started in this industry, I was a young reporter working in Chicago. And one of my favorite things to do was to cover DePaul basketball games in a building that used to be called the Rosemont Horizon. 
In those days, the basketball coach at DePaul was Joey Meyer, whose father was the legendary coach Ray Meyer, who at that time had retired and was doing the games on radio. Ray Meyer coached George Mikan, okay, and, and coached at DePaul for, I don't know, 50 years. I mean, literally. And was a legendary figure in the sport. And I would sit and listen to him tell great stories. Before the games would start, he'd be sitting in this press dining area, and I would just sit and listen to him, listen to Ray Meyer tell stories. And one of the things I will never forget is that he said when he first started coaching at DePaul, his first responsibility after a game ended, win, lose, or draw, this is in the early 50s, win, lose, or draw, the first thing he would do was call, physically call himself on a telephone, the sports desk at the Chicago Tribune and narrate verbatim the box score, literally points, rebounds, assists. So the box score would appear in the Tribune the next day because that was free publicity. No one was covering the games. That was free publicity. Getting the box score into the Tribune was meaningful to a Hall of Fame coach. So that's where we started. We're a long way away from that now. But it does tie all the way to Naomi Osaka. I then covered baseball in my career, and I heard on a number of occasions baseball writers say to baseball players who were being difficult or being standoffish or refused an interview, quote, you know, without me, you don't have a job. And there was a time when that was true. There was a time when all of the publicity that primarily baseball writers gave to the game of baseball, had a significant impact on that sport and on the business of it and how much money players made and everything else. That was true. It most certainly isn't anymore. So this conversation I want to have right now about Naomi Osaka is not about mental health. I know a little bit about that too. I've talked about it many times openly. I'm not ashamed. I'm a patient. I'm not a doctor. But what I want to talk about right now is not about her mental health, or her openness to discussing that, but about the role the media plays in sports, historically and into the future. The truth is this. There is a lot less accountability and responsibility than there used to be in this business. There just is. Simply put, there is a lot less journalism in journalism these days. That is, in my opinion, terrible, In every way. It's terrible for our country, for the world, but that's another topic for another day. It isn't changing no matter what I think of it and no matter what I want to do. So I'm going to leave that to the side. But we are going to have a reckoning at some point in sports. Because athletes, I do believe, have an obligation to their fans and an obligation to the sport they play. But they do not have an obligation to the business interests of anyone who can get a credential to cover a sporting event. And that is part of what we are seeing here. Part of the rebellion, or at least the concern on the part of a lot of athletes, is that they are being covered irresponsibly. And that is true. Certainly not in all cases, but in some. And I can see them saying, this is not my responsibility. Why do I have to talk so that these people can create businesses based on that? That's not about building up publicity for, in this case, the French Open or for me or my brand. And it's not my talking to my fans. And athletes these days have any number of ways of communicating with their fans that have nothing to do with the media, have nothing to do with a middleman. So I don't know how this is going to ultimately get settled. But I do know 
that nobody wins when the best tennis player in the world would rather not play. That's not a winning scenario. No one is the winner in this. So what I'm saying is I believe there is a reckoning coming. And I don't know what it's going to be, and I know a lot of people are not going to like it. A lot of people that I know, a lot of people that I work around, among, and with. And most of them are 100% legit journalists who are trying to do quality sports journalism. And those people do deserve the opportunity to do their job. But again, the athletes, I believe, have an obligation to the sport and have an obligation to their fans. And that's it. That's where their obligation ends. And that's why this thing is going to get very, very complicated in the near future. That, once again, is separate and apart from Naomi Osaka's personal issues involving her mental health or anything else. Those are very personal. The fact that they had to be out there in this way, she chose to put them out there, and that is obviously her, that's for her to do and no one else to judge. Again, that's something I could talk about separately on any other day if you wanted me to. But one of the many parts of the story I found fascinating is what exactly are the obligations in this day and age of professional athletes towards journalists? And the answer is that is evolving fast. And there's a reckoning coming. We'll keep an eye on it. Chris Weber will join me live next, ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Greeny, the podcast. This is Greeny coming to you live from the Seaport District at Pier 17, brought to you by Chase, the one, the only, the new Hall of Famer, Chris Weber, will join us in 30 seconds. After this word from Granger, for all the ones who get it done, Granger is always there to help. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, 24 7 support, free access to product specialists, and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe. And your people safer. Call them at one eight hundred Granger. Click Granger.com or just stop on by. And again, with that, it is my delight to welcome for the first time since he was voted into the Hall of Fame, Chris Weber with us here on ESPN Radio. Congratulations, C Webb. Thank you so much. Hey. Thank you so much. Uh, really appreciate him. I've been still a big fan and uh enjoy watching you every morning. Well, thank you. I, tell tell me. Like, like for the ninety nine point nine 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 percent of us who will never know, 
when you hear your name called the first time, like when, when, when they announce it, however it is you first discovered you had gotten into the Hall of Fame, what, how would you describe what that felt like? Wow. Uh, well, if, if, a little bit of context. I was, I was really happy that I did not know it was the day I was supposed to be receiving the call. How? I'm not sure, but maybe disappointments with the past or whatever. So I wasn't aware. And uh, my, wife, my wife made a comment that morning, like, I wonder when they're going to be voting. And I was like, oh, my God. Uh, you know, that's not, you know, let's not do that. And so uh, I get a call around three o'clock. And the first thing I think uh, when it happened is just, I, I really literally was just, you know, I, I heard it. I said, thank you. And I just hung up the phone. And I just sat there and uh, I, I don't know what that feeling was. It was uh, surreal. It was, uh, it, 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 you know, I, I really don't know what the feeling was. Uh, I called my father and, uh, you know, hearing him kind of talk it, you know, about it and hearing his joy kind of brought me back down to earth. But for a while, it was like just being suspended in time on the air, just, uh, you know, not being able to decipher all the information that you were just given. Um, a weird feeling, but uh, definitely a, a feeling of being grateful and thankful as well. Well, well deserved. And we're all thrilled for you. So congratulations. Let's let's get down to some of the NBA playoff action here. And, and I have a theory as I've watched the Knicks and the Hawks in what has been a very one sided series in favor of Atlanta. And what has occurred to me as I watched it is, you know, in the NBA regular season today, if you play hard every night, you play defense every night, you're going to win a lot of games because so many teams don't, unfortunately. They don't play hard every night and they don't play defense every night. And then you get into the playoffs and you're a team like the Knicks and all of a sudden you realize, holy smoke, they are just completely overmatched. Uh, to me, as frustrated as a, as a lifelong fan of the team as I am watching it, my, my, my overriding reaction is more sort of admiration for all the games they won in the regular season when you see just how how limited they are in terms of, of players who can score uh, and Atlanta just has so many other places to go for a basket. I, I just wonder what your thoughts are on that series and on, on that thought. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, they play hard and they've earned it. So that's why I like them. And they're one of my favorite teams because they're gritty and they grind hard. But I'd have to say offensively, um, even if you look at the last play that was called in game one or two, whenever they went into overtime, mm-hmm. um, they, they don't have an identity offensively. And, you know, Tibbs is one of the best coaches in the game. Um, but all of his teams have always been one-on-one type teams. Think about think about uh, when he had Derrick Rose in Chicago and Dang and those guys and here. And so um, I think that when you have guys that uh, aren't great one-on-one scorers, you have to put them in a system. And I would just ask you, what's their offensive system? Uh, not, not, not the guys can score. I would mm-hmm. just ask you, what's their offensive system? No, there really isn't. And, I agree with you, yeah. Yeah, and so I think that along with not having guys that can go get one-on-one, I think this system is very predictable. And, yeah, um, it just makes you have more uh, you know, admiration for what they did uh, during the season. I agree. And, and the other side of that, the counter side of that, that I've allowed myself when I step away from the game and I give myself a little time to be frustrated and then I sit back and I think about it, what I think is most memorable or going to be most memorable from this series is that this is when Trey Young really became a star. And I will admit, I was sort of a doubter of Steph Curry when he first came into the league. I've, I've never liked the little guy. I just thought to myself, it just makes me concerned. And obviously he's shown me to be completely clueless because he's one of the greatest players ever. And I had all kinds of doubts about Trey Young. But boy, see Webb, this guy's good. Man, he is really good. And so, first of all, shout out to, you know, the New York fans that made him 
because uh, you know you have to prove yourself, and you have to prove it in the, the you know, in the worst of situations. And he did that, and so uh, he'll always uh, be one of my favorites because of where he earned it and, and who he stood up to. Um, but secondly, uh, you know, he can shoot, you know, he can play, but he is such a great passer, and that's what messes everything up. That that's what messes everything up. He doesn't necessarily cut like Curry and get like easy layups back door, but he passes so well. He doesn't turn it over as much, and so. Uh, he gets guys involved. And so not only is he a great scorer, not only is he, you know, the evolution or the vestiges of Steph Curry's jump shot, but he's making his teammates better, man. And uh, that's why it's fun watching him. 100% right. Greeny and, and Chris Webber, you know, and you make me think of something as you're saying that. Not every player has the mentality to want to be that villain on the road. You know, a lot of guys, it, that, that role doesn't suit them. I don't know that it's necessarily a... It's it's not a good thing or a bad thing. I don't mean it as criticism, but not everyone wants right. to do that. And Trey Young, he, I mean, I was there at game one. He embraced that from the beginning. He wanted to be that guy. What does that tell you about his personality? It means that he's the guy that you want in your locker room. You know, Greeny, you're right. It's not good or bad. It's just personality style. So I'm not speaking about, you know, anybody's character or anything. But at the same time, you know, the guy that gets booed on the road, the guy that takes all the heat, you know, if they would have lost, it, all the other players would have been safe, you, you know, and that's mm-hmm. what you want. You want a guy that says, okay, I'll take all of the burden. I'm probably going to get more credit than I should, but I'm definitely going to get more blame than I should. And when I get more blame, it's all on me. I'll embrace it, come back and play better. And the rest of you guys, I just need you to be your best every night. And I know for teammates, you know, having, you know, been there for guys, I know they love that they embrace it. And it gives them a little bit more room, a little bit more umbrella to, you know, a little bit more shade to kind of, you know, do their thing and not be as focused upon when you have that player. As long as you're making them better and you're not isolating yourself from them, uh, I think that's a great recipe, and I, and, I, and I definitely like him more for that. That's a really good point. Chris Weber with us here on ESPN Radio. Let, let's go to the Lakers. They play game five tonight in Phoenix. Anthony Davis, I think the expectation is he will not play. Even if he does, I think the expectation is he will be severely limited. What does LeBron James have to do to get his team through this round if AD can't be a part of it? Something that only LeBron James can do, you know, he's gonna he's gonna have to score thirty. I mean, he's gonna he's probably gonna have a triple double. I, I'd say a thirty point triple double tonight would be in the right direction. But I just um, in this you know in this year, you know, how many years he's been in the league? It, it's just incredible that we're even expecting this. <laughs> that you're even asking the question, what could he do? You know, because you know he's that great. And so that's why, you know, I'm definitely going to enjoy watching this year and the last few years of his career because I I think we can all take it for granted because he makes us take it for granted because he's been so consistent. But tonight, he's going to have to do everything. He's going to have to have three or four blocks. And, and, you know, guys are going to have to hit shots. So, you know, even if he has 12 assists, that's probably, you know, on 24 missed shots. So, you know, on 24, you know, shots total. And so he's just going to have to be active uh, with crazy energy tonight. And uh, that's something he can do. But he's going to have to will his team. It's a really big game. We will see what they wind up doing tonight. One more thing for you, Chris Weber, and that is, you know, you got the Nets and you got their big three, and they're up 3-1, and, and they'll get through this series with Boston, but you got Milwaukee sitting there coming off a sweep and playing great, and I've got predictions left and right on this show and on the TV show from people telling me they think this is Milwaukee's year. And then, of course, the Sixers and Bede gets hurt last night. Let's hope that's not serious and that he's able to play. Of those big three, who do you like in the East? Man, I like the winner of the series between Brooklyn and Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't go against Brooklyn just because I love Hart. Uh, you know, I, I think when you look at what he's doing on the court, it's, it's incredible. And, you know, 
Uh, he keeps everybody involved, and we know what Kyrie and Durant can do. Those guys are great. Um, but I, I really, you know, like their style. D'Antoni being on that side of and having been, you know, in these positions with teams like that, I think is going to help Nash a lot. But, you know, Giannis did an interview, and he said, I don't know if anything's going to be different this year. And he goes, we just have to earn it. And when he did, when he said that, I loved it. I was like, oh, oh my God, you got a, you got a psychopath walking right now. Really, he's so focused that he doesn't care about this question. You can say, yeah, you guys lost. He knows all that's true. He's accepted it. That pain is in his heart, and he's going to come for somebody. And I, I really, I really like that team. I like how you know what they're going to do offensively. I like how um, the guys have kind of stepped up and, and taken over. And, and I like how also – I think that the Greek freak, his game has changed. He's um, getting other guys involved more. Middleton's having the ball more. So I, I really like this team, and, and I would not be surprised if they beat Brooklyn, but that's to me, is a pick series, very honestly. But that team that wins that series will come out the East. Yeah, I agree with you. I, that, that one feels like it should be the Eastern Conference Finals. Again, Chris, congratulations yeah. on the Hall of Fame. We're, we're all thrilled for you, and I hope we can do this again soon. Be well. Thank you. Thank you. All right, that's Chris Weber with us here, um, who again just into the Hall of Fame. What a terrific player he was, college and then on into the NBA. And I thought that was a really interesting conversation. I liked it a lot. I like the more I think about this Trey Young business. You know, there is something about being the villain at Madison Square Garden. Now, I can picture a lot of people hearing me say that and rolling their eyes, because I think that there are two kinds of fans. There were those who appreciate that history, and then there were those who just think the New York thing is overdone. Like, come on, Greeny, it's a building. But at least to me, it isn't a building. Like, there's something more special about that. When they say, welcome to the world's most famous arena, it means something. And when you just consider the history, all the things that have happened there, well beyond basketball, like, frankly, most of them outside of basketball, certainly in the last 20 years, um, and beyond. But there's something about going in there. You think about those who have sort of worn that, have, have been the, the villain there, most notably and recently, Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller loved it. Reggie Miller was, was goading it. He was begging for it. Come on, hit me with it. I'm ready. Let's go. Let's go at it. You and me. I'm playing and you're yelling and we're all good here. We're having a, a fair fight. That's the way the fight should be. None of this nonsense. Oh, I forgot to mention that earlier. This, this business with what's going on with, I don't even like to say fans. Because I'm a fan and I consider myself an advocate for fans. Let's just say spectators. Whatever it is, I'll make this one quick take and then I want to end it with something funny today. But whatever it is the NBA needs to do to get their arms around this, I, I, I don't know what it is. It's not my job. I'm not smart enough to figure out what that is. But whatever it is Adam wants to do, I support. I have zero tolerance for this nonsense. Zero. Running out on the court, throwing stuff. Come on the hell is the matter with you like i am all for fans i am all for booing i am all for chants i am all for creative signs i am all for rooting for your team because all of those things are the fans job that yet that you're in your place when you do that stuff you're in your place but the minute you start becoming deluded into this belief that you are a part of what's actually happening here you've lost it you've lost it you have no business anywhere near that court, and you certainly have no business doing anything that could jeopardize the health of anybody involved. What's the matter with you? So these are not fans. These are, I don't know what the right word is, but I have zero tolerance, zero. So whatever it is, arresting, I, I, I get it. The guy in Boston got arrested, good. Whatever it is, anything that is going to make people stop doing this, I'm in favor of. 
Nothing, in my opinion, is going too far because we just cannot have this. You cannot have this idiot who ran out on the court last night in, was it in Washington? Yeah. The idiot, this guy, he runs out on the court and as he's running off the court, as, as they're leading him off the court in handcuffs, he's like, you know, chanting on the fan, like trying to get everybody fired up. Like, look how great I am. Don't you realize everyone thinks you're an idiot? You're an idiot and you're just spoiling everyone else's fun. What is the matter with you? This isn't about you. You're a spectator. We're there. We're not the ones in the middle of the action. I know you want to be. I know you wish you could have been. So do I. I'd have given anything to have been a player. I wasn't good enough. And neither are you. So you watch and let them play. And again, you cheer, you boo. I like creative signs, T-shirts, chants. All for that. All for it. Get That's your involvement as a fan. The rest of it is nonsense. And I have zero tolerance for it. No patience. None. So, Adam, whatever it is you, uh, Silver, whatever it is you need to do, I'm behind you. Next. You ask these questions. Greeny's question of the day. Okay. And I don't think we have as much time as I would have liked to do this topic justice. So we'll scratch the surface of it and maybe we'll come back to it. But you okay. asked me, Hambo, a question when we got in this morning that I think everyone will find interesting. Bubba, you in particular will like this, so listen up. Yeah, this is an etiquette question. So I, because I'm trying to be a good husband, agreed to watch this like two-hour-long Friends reunion with my wife, Lizzie, right? <laughs> so this is something that I have to get to. So Friends is not a show that you care much about. N- not much, and I certainly wouldn't choose to spend two hours doing that. You were not emotional at the reunion of Ross and Rachel and Joey and Phoebe and Monica and Chandler. This did not make you emotional. It did not make me emotional. It happened to make my wife extremely emotional. And at this point in time, spoiler alert, when Tom Selleck comes out for this little bit that he does, my wife wept. <laughs> like, keep in mind, like this is, we have very recently gotten married. We were introduced to a new niece. We bought a new home. So she has cried before in, in, in sentimentality, but never anything close to <laughs> approximating this. I could not, Bubba, what is the etiquette on this? Are we cool with my wife weeping? Literally weeping. I mean, I, I, I brought over a box of tissues when she saw Tom Selleck. Are we, are we good with this? I mean, I think you're going to have to be. But unfortunately, <sighs> Tom Selleck means a little more to uh, her than you mean at this point. <laughs> That's pretty much what we have discovered. I mean, I didn't want to say it, but Bubba went there. What we have figured out mm. is that your wife feels differently. And look, she would join a long list of women who feel this way. Yeah, she's not alone. Who, who, who are more who have a different attachment to Tom Selleck than they have to you. <laughs> now, the difference between her and like all Tom these Selleck other women, the, the difference, Bubba, between Lizzie, Hembo's wife, and all these other women is that none of them are married to Hembo. Right. So mm. it's okay for them all to be more attached to Tom Selleck Uh-oh. than they are to you. Well, I wasn't even thinking about it that way. I was thinking about it like, you know, are we good with her just sobbing wildly for the, you know, during the special? But now that I think about it, Maybe this is more of a Tom Selleck and me issue yes. than it is a Lizzie crying during this reunion I issue. think that's right. Uh-oh. I have that. So don't worry. I mm. have it. Oh, I have it. Mm. I have that in my marriage for sure. My wife, she still likes magazines. Like, most people now get their information online, mm-hmm. and she does too, but she still will she'll leaf through a magazine. If at any point while leafing through a magazine she comes across a picture of Brad Pitt, she makes a noise. She makes a sound that in all of the years I've known her, she has never made in reaction to me 
in any way. She will go, ooh. Like, just like that. Ooh. And I'm telling you right now, I don't like it. Mm. It's the kind of sound I might make, like if I reached my hands into, a, into the pocket of a pair of jeans and there was, I found like a $100 bill in it and I didn't <laughs> expect it. It's like, ooh, this is delightful. But does she cry when she sees Brad Pitt? No, she does not cry. See, this is where I'm... <sighs> okay, we're going to have to... I knew that... We had C-Web, so I didn't get to as much of this as I want. Mm. But tomorrow we have to dive more deeply into this because I think that there is a lot to be discovered. For the moment, at least, I just need you to, to tend to that sunburn <laughs> <laughs> and, and get your wife a box of tissues because, Tom Selleck, this is all a problem. Everyone have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.